Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other. So you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. You can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Good morning. This is Andrew Staunton interviewing Jay Anderson for The Collab's podcast. Jay is a project manager who works in the fashion industry and I think we should just get into it so I suppose the first question we're kind of looking at is you know where did you grow up go to school maybe high school and where did you graduate college my life is pretty boring and I'll be honest I don't even remember those people and half the things that I do half the things that I do and half the lessons that I've learned in my journey in life post high school post anything I probably don't even remember any of it, but I am originally from Bossier City, Louisiana. I literally grew up on a swamp, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. I grew up being able to walk and look into the river and, and see, you know, alligators and, and things like that. So as you can tell from this accent, I'm very much a country girl. Louisiana French is my second language. Interesting. Amazing, wonderful Acadian roots. So, and I... And even though I don't speak the language every day and I'm now back in lessons, if we want to talk about school, I'm asking three Vini lessons three times a week because it is my native language and it is my preferred first language. So, but I'm not as good as, it, as I should be because I don't have anybody to speak it to. <laughs> Very few family members to speak to, the language into as well, other than my cousin, who's also in language lessons with me. So we get to talk to each other to make sure we're, we're doing the right thing. But yeah, I think a lot of who I am and how I am is very much deeply rooted in the fact that I am from a very small, small country town in, in Louisiana. And, you know, I grew up running outside with no shoes on and all the other stuff, riding horses and all the things that you see on shows like Swamp People, <laughs> you know, all those things. And, but yeah, I think that has a lot to do with my resilience in being able to survive in an industry such as fashion. No, I think, I think it's funny, resilient is a word that's come up a number of times with me recently. I can talk more about it, but I think it's a really important um, trait to, to think about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think there's, I think the word resilience, I think people look at it as toughness and I don't look at I personal, I, for me personally, I don't look at resilience as a toughness. I look at resilience as giving me that extra oomph. And resilience is a reminder for me. Resilience is a, re- a reminder that there's hope. Oh, I, I completely agree. Hope. No matter how good the situation is, no matter how bad the situation is, how do you move forward? How do you continue to get up and put two feet on the ground in an in, in attempt to try to make things happen in your life and to be better in this thing that we have called life. How do you continue that without resilience? And you can't have hope without resilience. It just doesn't work. You know, if you're hopeless, how can you be resilient? Because there's no reward. There's no nothing on the other side of it if there's no hope. So when I look at resilience, I don't look at it as being tough because I'm not tough because I want to. I'm tough because I know that there's a hope. And hope gives me the ability to think for, to think beyond myself, to think beyond my situation. Questions that, you know, those are temporary, but hope that you can carry with you. And I think you have to be resilient enough to have faith and, and be open enough to having hope that this is temporary and there's something else on the other side. If not this industry, no matter what this industry, 
I think life period, but in particular, the fashion industry, if you don't have that resilience and that hope, you're in for a long, long while. No, yeah, right. So did you go to high school down there and where did you go to college? I went to a boring high school that, you know, when you come, I was like, I have a very complex relationship with it's whether it be due to racial tensions and things like that. So I truly don't, I don't visit there like I should. I still advocate for things there. I still find things there from a distance, but I am from there. I love it. And that's about it. <laughs> so where did you go to, where did you go to college? I went to college in the state of Louisiana as well. So. <laughs> Which is why, again, I'm thankful for being there. I think I'm thankful for all the foundations that it's given me. But it is a complex relationship I do have where I come from because, again, it is, you know, even now in recent, the last week or two. And as you may know, the Speaker of the House is now, uh, that we have now is from where I'm from. And he's not the best representation of, of that state. It's got a, we just elected a governor who, again, is not the best representation of that state. And it's really headed in a dark place. And, you know, for me, I choose not to speak. I choose not to speak about Louisiana in a negative light because it is a state that you learn to survive in and it deserves better. And I hope that I can continue to work to be a better representation of what that state has and the potential that it has. Oh, and did you, so you went to school in Louisiana. Did you study fashion? I did not. I went to business school. You didn't ask. Ah, so how did you get into the fashion world? I've always been into fashion. I come from mm-hmm. a family of stress uh-huh. and a very hardworking family. And all my aunts can sew. Everybody in my family can cook and we can sew. Mm-hmm. And so my aunt would, I have an aunt who literally, they used, I don't know if anybody knows, there used to be these bold patterns that they used to sell. Yes, I remember. Yeah. My aunt. Like, if you go to her house now, she literally has an archive. Oh, incredible. Eight Vogue patterns. And she's always had a sewing machine. So I've always grown up around sewing machines, Vogue patterns. My grandmother was a quilter. So I learned how to thread a needle at least by age five, six. And I would sketch when I was younger. I had my wall of looks when I was about in the sixth grade that I had on the back of that I had on the back of a closet door where I would cut out every magazine and I would have my wall of looks and then my little homemade sketches of my power suits that I thought I was just an amazing power suit designer ever. But I went to business school because I'm the eldest of five and I come from a family where education is is pretty important. My on my dad's side, you know, my family has broken a lot of bra- barriers to be to integrate into a lot of industries via education and the longstanding legacy at HBCUs in the state of Louisiana. So I knew I was going to go and do something that I could go and make something of. And I've always been a little entrepreneur. I've been working since I was twelve years old. First job I would I had I saw because I was in love with the book Babysitters Club books. And made my own flyers that I would clean houses because I did chores at home and I wasn't getting paid for it. So I, I wouldn't do people's houses around my neighborhood. Maybe somebody would pay me. Um, lo and behold, a, 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 I lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of retirees and they all would have me come and clean for them. And I really didn't do much cleaning and they still paid me and gave me lunch. And so I always knew that business was something that I was going to do because I felt like no matter what it was, I needed to figure out how to make money. So. That was a big thing for me. I was like, okay, I know how to make money. And then again, for someone, I just always understood clothes and I always understood fashion. I understood how to make things. And then going to business school really gave me the foundation of how to run a business and how to sell. And my inner salesman was very much 
then because no matter what you do, gotta figure out how to sell it, gotta figure out how to find somebody to buy it because you want to make money. And that was my motivation. And then, you know, I've lived a life of many, many, many chapters, right? And so it was just kind of like the business school. And then when I actually got out of school, I worked in commercial real estate, which was a wonderful thing because it made me learn how to negotiate contracts and understand what contracts were and the build of, of business. And I was able to take those fundamentals and apply them to fashion because I love clothes. I took fashion history classes. I had, by that time, again, I've lived a many a life. I've been a professional cheerleader. I've been a dancer in my life. I, um, <laughs> you know, many, many, you know, and then from that, you know, of course, I've, I've modeled since God only knows how long. It was just kind of like these things. It was like these chapters of life that continuously build. And over time, I just kind of organically got to where I am. And that it, it wasn't a straight line. There wasn't a plan. I, I really wish I could say that I had this. I went to school. I did this job. And now here I am. And that is definitely not how it's been. It's a, a series of events. Sometimes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> the mistakes have made this journey very interesting. But it has landed me where I am now. And I still don't have a plan. And I still don't know what tomorrow is. And <laughs> I have no clue what's next. Um, but I do know that everything that I've I've done thus far and everything I continue to do keeps me prepared for what's next. Right. So what? So what was your first in in the path? What was your first kind of job in in the industry? First job in oh yeah. I was, I was a model in uh, junior high. So the local mm-hmm. park where I'm from, they there was like a very small talent agency, mm-hmm. and I remember because I was so determined to be a model. I remember mm-hmm. I up every dance like dance school because at that time i was like i need to be on an all-star team i have to be on an all-star team i was like i just can't do my i just can't do school i have to be on everything (laughs) and mind you i'm from a small town that nobody gives a flying flip about so i went through the phone book and i started calling like dance studios i know that you guys use some of your dancers in the malls to model and Mm -hmm. i'm one of these dancers and I did that. And of course, I was calling all the wrong ones. And mm-hmm. then I finally stumbled upon the one that worked with the talent agency that worked with local mall. So I was a, a model in the local mall. And they would put girls in clothes and you would stand in the middle of the mall. And the store name would be at the bottom. And then you would do poses for like two hours. And that was like my first fashion industry. <laughs> so and then you're, you're based in New York, right? So how long have you been in... A- the city as most of us call it i've been in this city a little over a decade and this is my second time back in the city because i i been for most of tw- uh, most of lockdown i was in and then i came back to the states in almost yeah a little over a year now oh wow so it's pretty recent and what brought you back well you know immigration my fun <laughs> As you probably as you probably know, immigrating to a new country is a process, and of course now there's so many factors that go into immigrating to the UK from any country, especially with all the other the other global factors that are going on. So I am in the process of doing what's called the HPI visa, which if nobody's familiar with HPI means you're a high potential individual. And they look at things that you do. Um, unfortunately, the fashion industry is not... Where are you trying to move to, to London? Um, we live in Chelsea. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I love it. I love Chelsea. I, I love my little my little corner of the world. And I do I miss my house right now. So I'm kind of I'm, I will hopefully I'll be back in London for the holidays. So I'm probably spend like a month or two there and then before I come back. Don't need I don't need the visa people coming after me. But yeah, we live in Chelsea. I love it. I'm ready to put up my Christmas tree. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so you said with with London, there's not a lot of potential. Well, actually, there's potential. So, no, right, yes. High potential, high potential individual visa. Those are most favorite for people who work in tech, government, things like that. So the government looks at like, they're like, okay, what do you bring to the British economy? That makes complete sense, yes. Okay, so you like clothes. That's great, no. <laughs> but we don't know if you're, we don't, we'll take your application, sweetie. No, if you're gonna be on top of the list. So yeah, so it, it is. It's one of those complex things. And you know, I'm in there. I'm in the shuffle. Once they say you know you're approved, then you know I'm, I've been living a lot of suitcase for a year, and me and my suitcases just run on down to JFK and and back over. So what were you doing before? Like, what's been your your key? I think when we when we met, you told me you've kind of done a little bit of everything in the industry. So what's what's been the the biggest experience or like the the, the the core of your experience working in the industry? I think my biggest core is agility. I, I'll be honest, because I've, there's been times where I've worked three jobs. There's been times where I worked five. There's been times where I've been fortunate enough to work one. And they've all been fashion in, related or sometimes sectional, you know. You know, there were, when I first moved to New York, I literally worked five jobs. I, I went to sleep for like four hours a day, woke up from sun up to sundown because I literally came here with two duffel bags of forty dollars in my pocket, so I had to figure it out. And I think the core, my core job, is being able to be agile and be flexible and go for it. Because there will be time, there were times where I would work a per se corporate nine to five at a fashion company doing God knows whatever, and then I would get off at five o'clock, and then I would go to my part time retail job. From four, you know, from five PM to close, and then I would book a shoot that would shoot on the weekend. But then I would leave that shoot at like two thirty in the afternoon, and then go and work uh, and try to pick up a weekend shift at my retail job. So it was, it was, it was always about being flexible, and well, I could get to a point where I could say I was a leader in this in this city, and it took a long time. It took a long time, and. It took a long time and a chance for me to get that opportunity. And I was very fortunate enough to finally get where I got into more of a senior leadership role by chance when I was literally working at my part-time retail job. You know, they say a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And so I happened to meet a wonderful venture capitalist by the name of Nairi Corby, who's from Australia. She had this, she's like, I have, I've started a fashion brand and I'm making dresses. And I was like, okay, that sounds wonderful. And we got to talking. And so she had had a lot of success as a venture capitalist in other, in other industries in Australia. And she, we, she was like, you have a way with people. And she's like, you have a way with understanding the fundamentals of business, but also you like fashion and you get it. And I was like, obviously, like, that's who I am. Like, hello, did you not see the material, honey? And over the course of about three, four months of us having conversations, she said, okay, look, I'm bringing this business to the States. I'm running around trying to get, you know, going through series A funding and I need someone I can trust, boots on the ground. 
to get my team up to par. We have no SOPs. We don't have. And I was like, okay. Mind you, I had no clue. And I said, I can do this. Uh, because I was, I knew I could. I, it wasn't as if I had not built businesses before or understood the fundamentals of how to build, build a business. So I was like, I can do this. And September of 2015, um, I had my first day on the job with Fame and Partners. And I walked into our WeWork and I walked into a pile of dresses that were positive. I had a, an amazing team. And I had a team here in New York and I had a team in Sydney. And that's really much all I had. And I had to figure, I had to figure it out. And I, and you know, within the first year of Fame and Partners, not only did we go through funding and got funded at that time and grew our team, not only to be in, in New York and in Sydney, but in Melbourne, um, we had a, a team in London, we had a team in LA and to be able to spearhead that and also build partnerships with Macy's, Guild Group. I was able to build out all the programs that I had in my head I wanted to do for years and like, I want to do this kind of partnership and this kind I was able to do. I was able to, you know, do same weddings and just a lot of great things, but I would not have, I would not have been able to do that if Nairi Corby had not taken a chance on me. So I am very thankful for her because she was able to put me in a position where after that, there was kind of like, yeah, I can't go, I can't go beneath this ever again. Like, I, this is, this is who I am. I love this. And Yes, yeah, so I'm very grateful for, to her for that opportunity. And it really kind of kind of put me on a rocket. Do you say that's the, one of the proudest things in your career? Yes. Because, and, and I say that because I like to leave things and people better than I left them. Family Partners is still going strong, even though they're under different leadership and ownership at this point in time, the company is still going strong. And my team has gone on to do great things. One of them is a is assistant stylist for Beyonce. My other the other one is a creative director reviving reviving a brand. And so to see that those who worked alongside me when I was doing all these things and building out family partners and getting them to those SOPs and building that foundation to see my team now from where they've gone in the past seven years and where they are in their careers and how they're continuing to just skyrocket and go above and beyond. Like they're more successful than I am. And for me, that is one of my proudest moments because to know that they come back to me and they say, I learned this fundamental or I will do these things that you taught me when we work together brings my heart joy. Because if I don't leave you better than I found you, then I was a disservice to you. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's the best boss you can have at the end of the day, isn't it? Someone who, who gives you the the ability to to kind of to shine yourself? So, what would you if you were going to do anything differently? If you were starting over, what would you do? Everything, <laughs> everything, because so much I have had to learn as I go, learn on the fly. Again, I I still don't have a plan, and I I I see some of my peers, and I see their trajectory, how far. They- They've done it in a, a much faster and much more efficient time frame. Now, am I grateful for my journey? Absolutely. Would I change it? Absolutely. And I think when people say, oh, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I would not like all these hardships. Why? That's not fun. Like, I don't, I am not, I am not a struggle girl. Okay. That is not me. People are like, oh, I'm thankful for the struggle. I'm thankful for the challenges and hardships I had in my journey. Okay. That's you. That's not me. I am a soft life kind of girl. I wish I would have had a more 
step-by-step-by-step journey because that allows you space and room for relaxation and you're not always full of anxiety and always unsure of yourself or always having to prove yourself all the time or even put in the position to be made to prove yourself. So had I not, I definitely would have been like, oh, I went to business school. Then I took two years and did this fashion school because it put me in touch with this internship that did this versus I went to business school and I learned all these fundamentals and I knew all these things, but I didn't know how to apply them just yet. So then I had to go work five part-time jobs to do all these things and try to meet all these people because I didn't have the network that would have come with all these other, had I did it another way or a different way. And so, yeah, absolutely. I would have did everything different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think sort of last question, I think if this really, what's next for you? But I think it sounds as though possibly London. Definitely, well, definitely I'll be hopefully back in London soon. I'll always probably because, again, immigration is not fun. But New York has my heart. It is home for me. So I'll probably always have a place in New York. And I'll always probably be between the two cities. That's just my life right now, and I'm happy with that. And and plus, I like the flyer. I like airline miles. The miles. <laughs> and I think what's next for me really is cementing my next role and really just, and, and that role hopefully being something that, again, continues to align with me growing. So if I ever get to a point where I'm just like, no, I want to do just this one thing, that's just not me. It never and I don't want it to be because that sounds boring but you know what's next for me is to continue to grow and continue to mentor mentoring is something that I enjoy doing and I have an amazing mentor program that I work with so continue to mentor because again not only do I want to leave the people I work with better but if I can influence someone else to a not have as many hardships and set them up for success then you know I hope that I'm always be I will always be able to continue to be a vessel for that. So that's what's next for me. It's awesome. I think I, I love the um. And I see your story. Your story has definitely got a lot of twists and turns. But I think you know, having known you for a couple of months now, it's got you to where you are. You know, and obviously you're kind of it's in a, and I think just just working with the kindness and the care that you do, that's what's I I think that's that's really inspiring. Very important, personally. Because a lot of people, a lot of people don't have that as something that they they kind of focus on. So, but anyway, we are coming up to the end of our interview. So, thank you, Jay Anderson. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com. dot